Tried any harder. Alt up. Brought to you from Los Angeles, California. California. You are listening to the High Voltage Talk Show, featuring Mike on the mic. Cut the music. This episode is gonna be very different from every other episode of the High Voltage Talk Show. I'm just going to go on a rant. If you guys want to listen to the rant and feel the pain that I feel being a Chargers fan today and especially this weekend, then stay, listen. If you don't like rants or you don't like negativity, you're just trying to avoid all that stuff, I understand that. For the most part, I do. But I was hurt this weekend. It ruined my day this weekend. It ruined my weekend, that the way we lost that game. So if you want to feel this pain with me and get through this process with me, buckle up. Because I'm about to go on the rant of a lifetime. And I might just post this on the Instagram in entirety and not even worry about trying to get people to come over and listen to the audio. Because this is getting ridiculous. I'm about to get into it. You guys feel that too, right? It's just like you don't know what to do, right? The offensive play calling in the beginning of the game is perfect. We're being diverse. We're trying some new stuff. There is some questionable stuff, some weird stuff. Going for a fourth and one in field goal range, I guess Michael Badgley has been inconsistent. I'm cool with it. I wish that you would call something different than a dive because dives have not been working all season on one yard to go situations. You think you'd learn your lesson after the fifth time you didn't get it on fourth and one on the halfback dive. You have a quarterback that's 6'6 and young and spry. We're what? Two and five. Who cares? Let the quarterback sneak the yard because the man's huge. You have an offensive line that is awful, especially in the middle of it. Your strength is at tackle and Brian Bulaga, who's finally playing. Run a stretch play. Run an outside option with the quarterback. Run a pass-run option. I don't care. Do not just line up and give them an easy stop. So that's where it started, right? And then it started to devolve from there. You saw the conservative play calling once again. Run on first down, run on first down, run on first down. Run on second down, run on second down, run on second down. All right, Herbert, it's third and seven. Throw a 70-yard touchdown pass, please. You cannot rely on that as an offensive play caller. When it happens, great. When you see the defense is giving it to you, take the shot. You got the quarterback that can do it. You got the receivers that can make it happen. Take the shot. But you cannot rely on third and seven to score touchdowns from your own 30 all game long. I'm not even going to say all game long because the first half was a good blend. I even saw a play action pass that they hit Keenan for about 20-yard completion on. On first down. 
But for some reason, when we get a lead, there's some kind of mentality that switches. And I'm going to get to what the reason for that is. I'm going to get to what I think is happening. But we're just talking about offensive play calling right now. And how it completely changes in the second half. And it's unacceptable. You cannot go out and be putting up 21, 17 points in every first half and be up by two touchdowns. And in the second half come out and just completely change it to conservative play calling. I understand we have a rookie quarterback, but you don't have no ordinary rookie quarterback, guys. You guys have a guy that's having one of the best rookie seasons in the history of football. This is not your average rookie quarterback. This is not Tua Tagovailoa. This is not your average rookie quarterback. I can even see you putting more of the, the strap on a guy like Joe Burrow. Well, you look at the numbers. Justin Herbert is not an average rookie quarterback. And plus, if you lose, gunning it out, staying on the gas pedal, and you lose because you're rookie quarterback, fine. I don't blame the coaches for that. That's just working out the kinks. That's just getting a guy started up, getting his career started up. But when you completely leash the guy in the second half, I blame the coaching for that. 100% the coaching for that. Now let's go to the other side of the ball. Defensive play calling. How do you shut a team down in the first half? Both the Jaguars and the Broncos now, back-to-back weeks, have pretty much gotten shut down to nothing in the first half. The Jaguars didn't have a first down in the first quarter. The Broncos, I don't believe they got past midfield in the first quarter. And I believe the first time they got past midfield was when they got an interception. That's the only time in the first half. How do you go from completely shutting them down, go into the locker room, and come out and be a completely different defense? Why would you change anything? Why is Gus Bradley having these guys back back off so much in cover three? What is the reason for changing anything? If they're struggling to throw and run the ball on you, why change was not broken? That's a big one. Gus Bradley completely changes the game plan at halftime every single week. And every single week it fails. Every week. Even the games that we've won, it's failed. We shouldn't have won that Cincinnati game. Thank God we got Justin Herbert. Because if it was Tyrod Taylor, we would have lost that Jacksonville Jaguars game. And we would be 0-7. Are you serious? We're in here competing with the Chiefs, competing with the Saints, competing with the Buccaneers. But we should be 0-7 thanks to defensive play calling? It's that bad? Yes, it is that bad. I don't understand how you can shut a team down completely in the first half and then come out in the second half, and you cannot stop anything. You can't stop the run. You can't stop the pass. You cannot stop anything. And the Broncos aren't that good to where they can turn the switch on like that. When we let it happen to us against the Saints or against the Chiefs, against the Buccaneers, okay, at least they're really good teams. It sucks that it happened. It shouldn't have happened. And better coaching could have avoided it happening against even the good teams. But at least it's a good team. At least it's Tom Brady that did it to us. Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees. At least would it happened against those kind of guys and the coaches that they have as well and the team around them that they have. 
But to let it happen against the Jaguars and the Broncos back-to-back weeks? This isn't a coincidence anymore. This isn't an accident anymore. There's something wrong. And Tom Telesco and the entire staff and management need to figure out what's wrong and get rid of it. That's just the truth. It's time to make a change. What we're doing right now is not working at all. At all. The defensive play calling is awful in the second half. The offensive play calling is awful in the second half. And who does it fall on at the end of the day? It falls on the defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach, Anthony Lynn. It's starting to show. And I love Anthony Lynn as the person. Do not get me wrong. I think Anthony Lynn is one of the best people on earth. Kind guy, actually cares about the players, actually cares about his family. But he sometimes just don't have what it takes to be a head coach in the NFL. And you have to have a certain mentality. You have to have a certain culture underneath you to win games consistently in the NFL. And on the flip side, you have to have a certain culture below you that loses you games in this fashion in the NFL. And that's what our culture is. It sucks. The Los Angeles Chargers are losers. The Los Angeles Chargers have a losing culture. The Los Angeles Chargers win games and people are surprised. Even though me and you sitting here as Chargers fans know exactly what is on this team and exactly what they are capable of if they're led the correct way. They aren't capable of winning the division. They aren't capable of being in the wild card picture. They aren't capable of being AFC contenders. With the talent we have on this roster, we are Super Bowl contenders. And there's no Chargers fan, there's no one that knows and have watched these guys come up in their careers. There's no one that will disagree with me on that. The people on the outside will. Everyone else in the world might say, the Chargers are no, no. But that year we went 12-4 and with Phillip Rivers. Beat the Chiefs, beat the Steelers in that year. It showed what the Chargers roster is because we still have that roster and maybe a more electric quarterback than we did back then and maybe a more beefed up defense than we did back then. So what's the problem? Why can't we be better than that team? Because the culture is a losing culture. And no matter how good we do, we're going to find a way to lose those games. And as long as we keep Anthony Lynn and we keep this culture within the Chargers organization... We're just going to keep going 5-11. and 11. No matter how many draft picks we get. No matter how many free agents we sign. The Chris Harris Juniors. No matter how many guys we pick up. We will still lose. Because it's all about the losing culture. And if anything, you take anything away from this podcast today. It is that right now, the Chargers are losers. They have a losing culture and they will find ways to lose games instead of win games. When you got a winning culture, when you got a coach like Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's a perfect example of what we need. No matter what's in the roster, no matter what the injuries are, he sends his team out there with the best game plan possible and preaches that they are going to win. 
That's a winning culture over there they got in Pittsburgh. Because no matter what has happened to them in the last two decades, they are in the picture. They have a chance at winning. Even last season, when the entire team gets injured, they are in the playoff picture. Because that's a winning culture over there in Pittsburgh. That's what we need in Los Angeles. That's what we need with the Chargers. That's something that we don't have. Look, it's hard to be a head coach in the NFL. And some people just don't got it. And I think Anthony Lynn is a position slash coordinator style of coach. He can install a game plan and he could get it right in the preparation. But at the end of the day, he is not going to be able to spread a winning culture within this locker room and within this organization. And right there at the head coach level is where that starts. And it goes all the way up to general manager, all the way up to ownership, who is also another problem. Ownership is terrible. Anthony Lynn is not the answer. This season is proof of that. Last season, maybe injuries caused it. A couple seasons ago, before the 12-4 and season, maybe injuries caused it. But this time, proves that Anthony Lynn is not going to bring a winning culture to Los Angeles. And if we're not going to get a winning culture here, what's the point? What's the point of keeping him the rest of the season? What's the point of keeping him after this season? I don't understand how you can keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results and the management and everyone's just okay with it. That makes zero sense to me. And like I said, it's hard to be a head coach in the NFL. Ask Mike McCoy. Because we're seeing Mike McCoy's head coaching stint all over again. It's like the restart of Mike McCoy now at this point. Doing the same thing over and over again. Is it going to take four or five years to fire Anthony Lynn from this point? I hope not. I really hope not. If you don't got it, man, you just don't got it. It's that simple. And like I said, I love Anthony Lynn as the person, but he just doesn't have it to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. It's that simple. We are wasting Herbert's amazing rookie year. This guy's going to win rookie of the year. If the Chargers could lose out, he's going to win Rookie of the Year if he keeps playing the way he's been playing. And we're going to waste this crazy, amazing, all-time great rookie year on poor defensive play calling. That's going to cost Herbert a possible playoff berth in his rookie year. Really. Because now we're sitting at a point where we can maybe lose two more games and make the playoffs. Maybe. For the rest of the season. We can maybe lose two more games. And we already got the Chiefs on the schedule. We got the Raiders on the schedule twice. I believe we had the Bills on the schedule. It's going to be tough sledding from this point out. So at the end of the season, when we're 5-11 and or 6-10, and or maybe even 4-12, and dare I say it, and we look back at, at Herbert's rookie year, we're going to think it was amazing. And we're going to always think, damn, we could have made the playoffs that year. If the defensive and offensive play calling in just the second half of games, the fourth quarter in general, was just a little better. Even just a little better. One point better when it comes to the game against Denver Denver Broncos. Just being one point better. Couldn't even do that. It's absolutely awful. And they're wasting this kid's rookie year, and it's a tragedy. It really is. He could have an explosive rookie year. We can get in on the wild card. Maybe win a playoff game. And there you go. The start of a historic franchise, hopefully. The start of a historic career by our quarterback. The flip. The switch flipped. Right there from a loser to a winning culture. But nope. 
We're going to waste it on bad play calling on defense. We're going to put a leash on him in the third quarter and then try and tell him, okay, now go ahead and unleash uh, that arm and, 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 you know, two minutes left to go in the game. We need a score now. No. That's awful. Now let's talk about Desmond King. Desmond King's gone, if you haven't heard yet. We traded him away to the Tennessee Titans for a sixth-round pick. And I preach, and I preach. Of course, we weren't going to get a lot for him. Because he's demanding out, pretty much. He's holding out, pretty much. But on top of that, it's the last year of his contract. So you're not going to get a lot for him. The name Desmond King, the talented young player that Desmond King is, yeah, he's a very valuable player. He's a punt returner. He's a slot corner. He can play safety. He can come into the box and tackle. Is a very valuable thing to have on your team. Do not get me wrong. But the contract situation that he's in and the, the holdout situation that he was in with the Chargers was not a valuable situation for other teams. So getting a six-round pick for him, I understand. But at the same time, I know you could have asked for a fifth. I know you could have. I know you could have used the Titans' six-round offer and leveraged him to like a Vikings or a Cowboys or a team that really needs secondary help for a fifth. I don't feel like they even tried. So it just it's a bummer. It's a bummer because the reason that Desmond King is gone is because we brought the Denver Broncos, one of the best Denver Bronco DBs ever, Chris Harris Jr., to the Chargers. And I'm not saying that was a bad move. But people, would you rather have Desmond King for the, another 10 years or would you rather have Chris Harris Jr. for another year and a half? A year and a half of losing, by the way, just because Anthony Lane can't get his shit together. Which one would you rather have? I'll take Desmond King. The money that we gave Chris Harris Jr., we could have just given to Desmond King. And Desmond King would have been just fine with Casey Hayward. And you could have addressed the offensive line problem more than adding a corner to an already loaded cornerback room. Because Michael Davis ain't no slouch from damn self. He's a great third corner. And of course we have Casey Hayward, who doesn't look like he's slowing down too much yet. At a certain point he will. And we saw it with Brandon Flowers. Kind of a similar situation with Casey where we got him. Uh, people thought he was out of juice. People thought he wasn't good enough. And we got him, and, and he revitalized his career. Very similar story to Brendan Flowers as to with Casey Hayward. And Brendan Flowers ran out of juice, and every corner in the league history is going to run out of juice. But who would be perfect to step in there once Casey Hayward's done? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Maybe Desmond King? Because Chris Harris Jr. ain't going to be there. <sighs> Frustrating. Frustrating. It looks like Melvin Ingram's staying, though. Apparently, we value keeping our... Pass rusher who can't stay healthy more than we value keeping a young star player that Desmond King is that also is our punt returner. I don't understand that. They couldn't get get a deal done for Melvin Ingram also. Not that I hate Melvin Ingram. I just understand the realistic part of the situation. He's leaving in the offseason. You don't sign a man to a guaranteed one-year deal if you have long-term plans with him. They're, no, that's not a thing. Are we going to keep Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry still doesn't have a contract. You going to franchise tag him again? Because that's not good for the books. That's not good for getting some offensive linemen for Herbert because this offensive line is absolute trash. Absolute trash. The funniest part is our offensive line is absolute trash. And we're still trying to run the ball on first and second down almost every single series. One yard, two yards. It really makes you appreciate what Austin Eckler does. Because when you really watch it, you start to notice Austin Eckler b- breaks a tackle every single play. The reason Austin Eckler gets his three or four yards on, on about every run 
is because he breaks a tackle on just about every single play. It's it's absolutely impressive, and it's amazing. And I can't wait for him to get back, but not too fast. So there you go. Where are we going now? Hunter doesn't have a contract. Melvin Ingram doesn't have a contract. Desmond King is gone. Chris Harris Jr. What has a two-year deal. Where are we going now with all these holes that we're about to have going into next season? Got to figure something out, right? First thing we got to figure out is how hot is Anthony Lynn's seat? In my opinion, he should have been fired this week. Seriously. And I'm not even being a jerk. I like Anthony Lynn as a person. But in my opinion, with what has happened and the way it's happened five times now, six times in a row, he should have been fired last week. He should have been fired on Monday morning. And it sucks to say it, and you don't want to fire a coach midseason, but should have fired him, should have fired the offense coordinator, should have fired defense coordinator. Pep Hamilton steps in as head coach, and you can just have whoever your DB or linebacker coach be defense coordinator, and your offensive line or your wide receivers coach be offense coordinator. And just ride the rest of the season out. I'd rather lose because we have a rookie quarterback and Pep Hamilton as our head coach, who's a, a position coach, then lose because the guys were paying the big bucks, the head coach, the defense coordinator, offense coordinator, suck at play calling and game planning and second half adjustments. Things that by the time you get to the NFL, you're supposed to be a pro at. You're supposed to be the best in the world at. They make some bonehead mistakes. And the second half adjustments are the worst in the NFL by a large margin. By a large margin. It's absolutely unexcusable. Just fire everyone. Just fire everyone. Looking at our injuries, I was excited to see these guys come back. I was excited to see Chris Harris come back. Austin Eckler start working his way back. Possibly Drew Tranquil might be able to come back. I was excited to see Melvin Ingram back. But at this point now, I don't think you should rush anyone back. Because we can't win a game anyways. We can't figure out how to win a game no matter what happens on the field. You go up 24 to 3 in the third quarter and you lose the game. There ain't nothing Austin Eckler, there ain't nothing Chris Harris Jr. could do about that. So don't rush any of them back. Let them get healthy because I don't want them to get seriously injured if they rush back. And now we got to play the Raiders next week with this curse looming over our head. It's going to happen again. You think it's going to happen again? I would not be shocked if it happened again. Because the Raiders have a bad enough defense for us to carve them up in the first half. And then they have a good enough offense to roar on back in the second half. And it's kind of what I expect at this point. And I looked over and told my wife. And I said, I, I have never been this hurt as a football fan before. I've never been this hurt by the Chargers before. Losing in playoff games. Losing Phillip Rivers to free agency. I have never been this hurt by the Chargers than I was that that game against Denver because that was absolutely the worst thing I've seen the Chargers do. And now we play the freaking Raiders, so they're probably going to top it because it's got to be the Raiders, right? I don't know if it's going to happen, Chargers fans. I don't think we can beat them. If they beat the Broncos last week, I'm actually predicting the Raiders or the Chargers. I'm predicting the Chargers to beat the Raiders. But now I don't even know what to believe in. We're a great team. That should be six and two, or seven and one, or hell, undefeated. And we're in the running for the number one overall pick. What, two games out of the number one overall pick spot? Are you kidding me? Come on now. That falls on the coaching. 
Chargers, you need to hear our call. I know no one from the Chargers is going to listen to this podcast. I know no one from the Chargers is going to hear me say what I'm about to say and say what I'm saying right now. But you need to hear our call as a fan base in general. We are a small, tight group, a tight-knit group. Your fans are probably in the thousands. They're not in the millions of people. That's how small it is. But the fans that you do have are absolute diehard fans. They will follow this team to the edge of the earth and jump off with you if you asked us to. These are the same fans that are so dedicated that when you abandon the city that called you guys their home team, one of the only professional teams to play down there, when you abandon that city, a lot of us stayed. A lot of us stayed Charger fans. A lot of us followed you up the road to Los Angeles, a city that San Diego hates. And then, when our all-time great, not all-time, all-time franchise great quarterback, Philip Rivers, is let go in free agency, we stayed. We stayed right here as Charger fans and said, all right, Tyrod, bring it. Bring it. As a fan base, please hear us. Please do something. Change something. Start showing some kind of change. If it doesn't work, try something else. If that doesn't work, try something else. But please, we are begging you, do not just go out there and keep doing the same thing again. Because I don't know about you guys, but a lot of thoughts are racing through my mind watching that Chargers game. I could hear in my mind the little voice saying, you know you want to be an Indianapolis Colts fan. What are you doing with all these Chargers jerseys in your closet? You are wasting your time and money because the Chargers are wasting your time and money. I'm not saying I'm going anywhere, but I know every Chargers fan, especially the diehards, have had similar feelings. I will be here as a Chargers fan for the rest of my life. And whether the Chargers get it together and can help my football experience be like my baseball and basketball experience as a Dodgers and Lakers fan, that's up to them. But us diehards, we're going to feel the pain as if we're on that field with you. So just understand that before you send the same thing out there and do the same exact thing again. That's all I got for this week, guys. Just a rant. Just a quick rant. It looks like we're getting close to 30 minutes, 27 minutes. Um, Usually I have a structured show and I preview the upcoming game and review the past game. But there's no point in doing it right now. Because the Chargers are going to do the same thing over and over and over again until there is change. So the previews and the reviews are just a repeat of the week before. You can literally copy and paste the game reviews and just change the name of the team that you're talking about, and they all fit the exact same way each week. You can get all the reviews of the games. Man, we match up talent-wise way better than these guys. We're going to blow it, though. There you go. There's the game preview every week. Just plug and play at this point.
Hopefully we beat the Raiders this weekend. It will feel nice just to beat them. But even with wins, unless we win out or, or something crazy happens, this has got to be Anthony Lynn's last year. I don't think we're making the playoffs anymore. If we win that last game and we're 3-4, and four, I do think we have a sincere chance of making the playoffs because our schedule is so weak. At that point, we could afford to lose to the Bills. We could afford to lose to the Chiefs, win the rest of our games, and we're getting in for sure. <sighs> <That's>, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. I feel like I just traveled back in time to Sunday, and I felt everything I was feeling on Sunday afternoon after watching that Chargers game. Everyone keep a close eye on the election. Uh, thanks to America, I guess, man, this election has been record-breaking as far as the number of people that actually show up to vote. And it was something that happened in 2016 that I noticed even as an 18-year-old kid. Like, It doesn't seem like that's all of America that I'm seeing counted on the screen right there. This time around, it does seem like that's all of America. So whoever has decided to be the president, America made the choice. And that's that's all that matters, no matter who wins uh, the presidency. Um, th- that's really it. I'm getting a little bit off topic. That's really it for the episode. I don't know how to end this. Just, man, go Chargers. Hopefully they can figure this out. As a team, as a fan base, let's stick together right now. And let's try and, and uplift each other and, and look forward to brighter, brighter days. <laughs>